Welcome into another edition of Sport Ball. It's your boy Sam. With me as always are my two, dare I say, the people I cherish the most in my life. Oh. Top ten. Kyle and Seth, how I'll you boys doing? It. I don't even take that as a compliment because top ten to you means probably top twenty. <laughs> if you rank twenty your top, top ten, 10 people, you'd include 10. at least twenty. <laughs> You're right, it's, it's top bullshit. twelve. You're in the honorable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored as always. Good. How are we doing on this on this rainy Tuesday? You know, hanging in there. I'm in the final stretch of my semester for grad school, so looking forward to being done. While I sit here sipping on a papaya gummy vortex Northeast India pale ale from none other than in Lombard, Illinois, our next sponsor of the podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They haven't paid us yet. <laughs> no free ads, you're right. Easy. No free ads. I'll edit it out. I won't even say which beer I'm drinking, but I'm just going to put sure a that... sound. I'm going to beep while I'm talking about <laughs> Rest assured that my beer rhymes with who, Dune? Anyway, let's... Uh... <laughs> they didn't like that. That's terrible. That was the worst rhyme you could have done. But it does rhyme. You could have like said uh, poo loon. Yeah, that would have been better. That would have made a lot more uh, sense. You can edit that, right? <laughs> but make it sound like I said it and that you laughed afterwards. <laughs> I got you. I work my magic now that I have a couple of days off. All right. So this is um this is gonna be our big NBA offseason pod. A lot of stuff has gone One of down. Because we have yeah. a couple more weeks of the off, off season ends. Right. But most of the dust is settled. You never know with the NBA. There's still a few a few dominoes left to fall, but we, we know a lot of it. Yeah. And I think someone said like 90 to 95% of all spots on every team are filled. So there's pretty much one big player we're waiting on still, maybe two. Yeah. And they both originate from the great state of Texas. Bogdan Bogdanovich is from Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Texas, Serbia. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm. Uh, So (laughs) I do want to start our most somber note, though. On draft day, we learned that Clay Thompson went down with an injury during an offseason workout uh, after he was ready, um, trying to get back from an ACL injury, which he suffered in the finals of 2019. And we have since learned that it is, in fact, an Achilles injury, which, as we know, is the worst injury for a, a basketball player to get, besides, like... A beheading. On um, Livingston. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so really bums me out goes without saying i think everyone loves clay Clay. it wipes out a contender this year maybe forever i don't know i don't want to it doesn't wipe out a contender i don't see them as a championship contender without clay but maybe they'll prove me wrong i guess championship contender without clay probably but well what did they think i meant by contender (laughs) playoff contender yeah, I still think they'll make the playoffs. But um, I know you guys are upset about it as well. The whole NBA community is. Seth, why don't you um, – I know you're just as upset as I am, maybe more. Why don't you give your funeral for Clay's Achilles? Yeah, so as you all know, Clay is one of my favorite non-Celtic players in the league. And I'm constantly defending him and selecting him to my imaginary – all-star teams and even for me as someone who just lived through 
three years of Gordon Hayward injuries, this injury news is, I think, the most depressing I've ever experienced, like, sports injury news. Um, I was just so excited to see him come back, to see the Warriors again. Um, You know, I predicted them to make it to the finals. And so excited to see them playing against the Lakers in the Western Conference. And now it's just all down the tubes and, you know, maybe a year from now or whenever the, the following season will start, like probably not even by the beginning of that season would Clay be ready to come back. And yeah, so it's just a tough blow. And I've honestly been like avoiding like media that talks about it because I just don't want to think about the injury so sucks a lot but he'll come back at some point and it really sucks it really does i mean i was just reading a interview with steph today where he's saying he cried when he found out the news and splash brother we're all we're all emotional about it honestly and he's a well he's a beloved figure one of the first uh i think um What's the word? Not advocate, but uh, definitely hinted at smoking in the league. I feel like mm-hmm, yeah. he was one of the big, the big weed guys. And I mean, I don't know if there's really many players in the league like Clay who just any night could go off for 50, 60 points on outrageous three point shooting. You're right. Maybe Harden, Steph. But then who else is just going to – what was that game? What was it two, three years ago? Where I think he had like 17 total dribbles and scored – 11 dribbles, points. 60 points, yeah. Yeah. There's, I don't think yeah. there's anyone else that could do that. Like I In said, the history besides, of the game, yeah. Besides and, uh, Steph, maybe. But, again, yeah. Steph always has the ball in his hand. So. Right. He would be dribbling more than that, yeah. And I think well, the reason why he's beloved in the NBA community is just the consummate teammate, right? You know – never never needs the ball never complains about touches or shooting especially when Durant was on that team and he became the third option never complained from him all of his teammates rave about him as the perfect guy to have in the locker room so I mean Steph getting so emotional after hearing the news tells it all right I mean this is this is a guy that's beloved and we're really gonna miss him this season so there's so many great stories about Clay I i read years ago that he had just like before games he you could see him in the locker room just like crossing his legs reading a newspaper yeah (laughs) and uh glasses on in a robe smoking a cigar probably (laughs) you gotta assume yeah someone's saying it was maybe uh maybe kevin o'connor was saying that the warriors coaching staff like tried to encourage him teach him to like draw fouls on three pointers and pump fake and like lean into a foul. He's just like, no, I'm not going to do that. that. Love it. That's not how basketball should be played. I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, I've never heard anyone ever say anything bad about clay no. and to a T everyone who's ever played with him says my favorite teammate is clay. He's the so. only warrior that I don't think I've ever bad talked and ever will. <laughs> and that's rare for you. It is. It is rare yeah. for me. He's one of those guys. He's a uh, 
he's never really been a stogie boy, but he's been lingering back there. He's been trying to wake, work his way in. I mean, I think he's he's a squammy boy through and through, but that's right. It's not like he wouldn't be allowed to play pickup with just a stogie boy or a skull dog boy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> certainly not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's transition to a player who definitely uh, would be all right with hunting for fouls by going sideways into someone. James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> so wild off season for the Houston Rockets. <clears throat> So obviously Daryl Morey left to go to the Sixers. Uh, coach Mike D'Antoni, my coach Mike D'Antoni left. Um, Fuck up number doesn't two. Doesn't seem to be a lot of love for the owner. Uh, for for Tot, for Tata, Tillman, and um, with that, James Harden has requested a trade. Russell Westbrook then requested a trade. <laughs> uh, but then seems kind of recant once they were like possibly talking about dealing Westbrook and he was like, I'm committed to the team now, or is he just pulling one of these? I'm committed to the team. Once they trade him, then he takes out a page in the newspaper and it makes, makes it seem like it was the ownership and not him. I have no idea what's happening over there, but I do want to discuss all the possibilities because, you know, this is one of the best players in the league. This would be huge if he moves. So, um, (laughs) that's like one of the best players in the league. I don't know. So, um, (laughs) So he did at first say that he wanted to be traded to the Nets and the Nets only of Brooklyn, which would be intriguing because he want, would be paired with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. There were also ta- uh, talks about maybe the 76ers would trade for him and have a more appetizing offer to the Rockets than anything the Nets could offer because we think the Nets would probably do some combination of Karis LeVert, Allen, um, maybe Spencer Dinwiddie picks. But, you know, as we know, the Sixers could offer either Embiid or Simmons, which is better than any player the Nets could offer. So those that's all well, on the table. One of the options is that he... The Nets could offer Kevin Durant, but they just right. won't. One of the other scenarios is they just run it back and everyone is just like, yeah, you know, this is a little awkward, <laughs> but here we go. So I want to talk about all the options here, but I do want to discuss the possibility of being traded to the Nets first, because that's certainly the most intriguing, I think, just for basketball entertainment. Um, Kyle, Hmm. do you see him as a good fit for the Nets being a James Harden supporter? Is that where you'd want to see him go? What, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, the Nets would obviously, I think be probably the second best team in the league with, that big three. I know I've seen a lot of memes of, you know, how it would just be three ball hogs, but you know, that wasn't the case when KD was in uh, golden state. He wasn't necessarily a ball hog. He's not, he doesn't have to always have the ball in his hands. James, he could play off ball. He doesn't need to have the ball in his hands. I see the smirk. Well, I just think in that in theory he could. He just does. In theory, the we we'd have to see it. Right. Know? And I, I think a lot of people probably have that same same sentiment just because that was the offense that was built in Houston. It was built around James Harden, right? Yeah. with the ball dominant guy. So that's all we've ever seen when James is on his own team. But I mean, he wasn't that player when he was in Oklahoma when he was with Wes mm-hmm. and West. Why did I just do that? Seth is really rubbing off on me. 
Yeah, people. I'm not the one who does that. In our Discord, have been calling Westbrook. Have been calling West or WB, like the Warner Brothers. I don't understand <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> or Brooke. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> Harden obviously from those days is a much more matured player. He's improved his game in all facets, in my opinion. Obviously, I think that because I'm the biggest Harden fan on the planet. But I think you put three of the best offensive players together. Maybe they don't have a great defense, but again, they could outscore any team in the league. So do you really need to have a a top five defense when you have three of the best offensive players in the league? I don't think so. Yeah, I would have a couple of That's why I think it would work. I have a couple of qualms with the defense being one of them. I mean, of course, these are three great players, right? And we've seen big threes come together and make it work, most notably in the recent past, LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. My question would kind of be like who plays the Bosch role and sacrifices so much for this team, right? Because these are, if they were to come together, would be the three highest usage players to play on the same team in the history of the league. So I'm not going to lie to you. I think it ends up being KD. It would have to be because these other two players, Kyrie and James need the ball in their hands uh, to play. So, you know, KD can play that complimentary role. The problem is he's the best player out of those three. So it's kind of like, is that really what you want? And I mean, we like you said, we saw him play a little off ball in in Golden State, um, but that was kind of like their second player was Clay, who doesn't need the ball either. So it would definitely be tricky. Um, I don't know. I just I don't know how to feel about it because it's kind of like a fantasy team that you're putting together. Like looks good on paper. I think defensively there'd be some issues with that backcourt. But I feel like a lot of people thought the same thing about when the first big three was formed, right? With Wade and LeBron and Bosch in Miami there there was a lot of questions on how that was going to work right and there's a lot of questions about maybe not as many questions but when the the big three in Golden State also right with how ball dominant we thought Curry was and how like you said how ball dominant of a of a forward KD is but teams when you have players of that caliber they make it work that's I mean and, and it's not like they'd be playing 48 minutes together. They're going to play the first six minutes of the game together. They'll stagger the rest of the half until probably the last three minutes. And then the same thing in, in the second half. They'll open together, and then they'll just stagger until the final four or five minutes of the fourth quarter. So that looks like you wanted input. What were you going to say? Yeah, several things. I think the upside is undeniable imagining that lineup like if everything were to click it would obviously be devastating and very difficult to guard I think there's also significant downside and there's little evidence from what we've seen of those three players so far that they would be able to mesh well together not saying it's impossible you know we saw Harden like play a third banana role early in his career in OKC, right? So if they went that route and said like, okay, Kyrie is going to be like the Westbrook role and it'll be like OKC with Harden kind of being in that role, he was a six man. I don't think he's going to be cool with being a six man again. Um, I also know just by nature of these three players and their personalities, like, one day they could be best friends and two days later Kyrie requests a trade because 
KD said something you know, the wrong way or whatever. Like that's a great such, point, Seth. That's a huge part of this. Personalities where yeah. Kyrie's like never happy for more than a year at a time, and they all want their own teams. It feels like right, Kyrie. Like, the whole thing you, we saw with Cleveland was that Kyrie wanted to leave because he didn't have his home team, and then he got his own team in Boston. And then he didn't want to be a leader, and then it's like. So who knows what's going to happen? I also think if I were the Nets, I would tell the Rockets, I'll give you Kyrie Irving for James Harden. Yeah, I would like that a lot more, honestly. (laughs) That way you can keep some of your future assets. You can keep Karis LeVert, who in in that case, he's still a talented scorer, a talented player, but of a kind of volatile risk personality who like demands a lot of media attention, potential problem in the locker room. And he can kind of be that third player who can score when the other two are on the bench or can just kind of facilitate the offense play make. That's, I don't think the Nets would do that, but that's what I would do if I were them. And I think Harden and Durant just having that big two with more supporting players around them makes more sense to me than trying to go all in on the big three with those personalities and scrubs around that, you know. Kyle, you look like you're going to say something. What are you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to talk about, like, the, the Kyrie personality thing and his comments, you know, whenever they were a year or two ago of wanting his own team. You know, I, I think a lot of people took that in the sense of like he wanted to be the man and like the number one on a team. But I think that more so was he wanted to have that same, like, you know, playing with LeBron, the ability to have input and have say into team decisions. I think that's what Kyrie more so meant as he wanted, you know, he wanted his team. And I feel like with the friendship that he has with KD, that that kind of empowers him more in, in the sense that he will actually have a say in personnel decisions, not as big as Durant's say, obviously, or not as big as um, Harden. No, not Harden. Um, Nash? What can I think? Yeah, Steve Nash. Jesus Christ. That's, we haven't even talked is. about that. The fact that poor Steve Nash, yeah. first year on the job, might have to deal with this. But I, but I think that's more in line in what um, what Kyrie was, you know, referring yeah. to when he said he wanted his own team. And I think that's kind of what he what he has now. Like I said, with Durant and the, you know someone that will allow him to have a voice in what he thinks. Cause you talk to everyone or not talk to, but we've hear other players say like how Kyrie's understanding of the game is one of the best in the leagues. Right. And we've heard that in from multiple different players. And just to say that, uh, you know, he doesn't have a say in the players that, he's surrounded by, I think that's kind of been his biggest turnoff from the teams that he's been on. That's a good point because we know LeBron can suffocate 
a team and, and everything revolves around LeBron. And, and it's not the greatest player of all not, time. I mean, you have to. Of course. And that's not true to the same extent with Kevin Durant. Um, but I think I think the personalities are a big look on paper, like you said, second best team in the league, maybe first, honestly, right? And I think personalities matter a lot though. Um like I'm not coming at the character of any of these guys, and of course, who am I to say, but I mean these guys are great in their community, great people, etc. But both Kyrie and Durant are people that have huge mood swings and they they come in this is not, I'm not the first one to say this. This is, you know, people in the buildings that they're in that, that have uh, discussed this. And it's like, these are great guys, but like, you don't know what you're getting day to day. Right. And I think on the Warriors, that was fine because you have Steph and Clay who Clay, we just talked about one of the best teammates that you could possibly have. Steph is steady as a rock. If there's no steady presence there and you have three superstars, you know, maybe Harden's a steady presence, but he hasn't always been We've seen superstar after superstar have trouble playing with him. So I just, I feel like with Kyrie and Durant being the people that they are, again, not trying to say anything bad about them. They're great people, but just the way that they, they are, they, they change their mind a lot and they, they can be prone to being in different moods, you know, depending on the day. And I just don't know what the rock holding that team together would be. So although it looks like Seth said, the ceiling is so high, I think an implosion, you know, what? Could be could be uh, something that ends ends of really what their ceiling could be. What superstars have had trouble playing with Harden? Well, I'm just saying each of his marriages end, you know, a little like Chris Paul, Dwight Howard. Was who injured. obviously I'm not going to defend Dwight Howard um, in that scenario, but Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, um, those three have had short stints with him and and haven't loved playing with him. It seems so. I don't think we've heard any of them say that they haven't didn't enjoy playing with Harden. Well, I think Harden basically said either CP3 is gone or I am when he was gone. So, and I guess we're not sure about Westbrook, but right. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the Chris Paul thing was more of a, we saw him get injured and who would have known that once they traded him to OKC, that he was going to return to the same Chris Paul that we've essentially saw what, four years ago not even you know like and chris, chris paul has chris, a has an abrasive right. personality you know i shouldn't be yeah, that hard on harden i'm just saying that it's not like harden has been talked about like steph or clay that's all that's fair right yeah and i just wanted to add in from an x's and o's perspective when you look at the big threes throughout history right we talked about the heat and you had one person who stepped out who backed away with bosh right and and he was someone who, when he doesn't have the ball, he can be in the dunker spot. He can post up and call for the ball, or he can fade out and hit jumpers, right? So he can draw the other big man away from the basket, leading to driving lanes, right, for LeBron or Wade. Same thing with the big three in Boston. Garnett was the one who sacrificed the most with that big three. You saw him being like, you know, completely running the offense in Minnesota. And then he was another one who could step out 12 feet from the basket and hit jumpers and pull the big man away. On the Warriors, you had Steph and Clay being two of the best off-ball players in the game, where as soon as Steph passes the ball away, he's off to the races, running around, 
and his defender has to chase him the whole time and going around screens, you know, running under the basket and popping out in the other corner and they pass to him. Right. And so the question for me is, are Harden and Kyrie willing to put in that kind of work off the ball where they're running around screens, they're making backdoor cuts because what we've seen them do again, different type of offense structured differently. So can they adapt? What we've seen them do in the last few years is they pass the ball and they stand at the three point line and watch what happens in the play. And maybe they get the ball back to them and then they do something. I mean, I saw that Kyrie in Boston. It was a, he's standing while passing the ball and he like dusty dribbles and shoots, right? Or, you know, dishes it out to somebody. And Harden, people have been saying that forever. It's like he's just standing 30 feet from the basket watching if he's not shooting himself. So obviously those are things that they're physically capable of. And maybe somebody like Kanash and D'Antoni as an assistant can develop the offense where they're motivated and willing to do that. But we just haven't seen it yet. So I, I wouldn't bet on it happening. Also, we've been talking for 20 minutes about it as if Harden's already on the nuts, so that might not even happen. So Yeah, right. So I did want to also, before we get off this topic, because like you said, we don't know if it's going to happen. I think there's a healthy discussion to be had on just how the NBA is today, right? Where we see a lot of players only on each team for one to two years, a lot of superstars um, wanting to pair up and making it happen. And... Um, you know, I'm obviously not against player empowerment at all. This is called the player empowerment era. And um, rightfully so, these players should be taking some power back from the owners because a lot of people have been talking about the um, the, the example of Ricky Rubio, right? Like he just got shipped off to Minnesota again last week, and that wasn't obviously his choice to go from sunny Phoenix back to the cold trenches of Minnesota. Um, so these players don't have a choice when they're traded. So obviously – they need to take some power back in their own hands. Um, I feel like this is a situation where I'm a little queasy about it just because it just feels like the Rockets built around Harden and how he wanted to play. And like we said, Dwight Howard, uh, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, all got to play with him, all came in to play with him. And then, you know, and then he says, oh, I'm out. I want to be traded. Admittedly, I wouldn't like playing for that owner either, from what I've heard. Um, and his GM, Daryl, was gone. But it's just – and the on top of it, he's, he demanded one team, which, of course, puts puts the team that's trading him in a bind when he says he only wants to you know sign with one team. So that's on the precipice of where I get a little, you know, queasy about, about yeah. where this is going. And just from a fan perspective, it sucks, man. It does because, like – or maybe some people like it, I guess. A lot of people are fans of just players and they don't, they root for them anywhere they go. But when, when everyone switches teams like whenever, one to two years, there's not a lot of, con- exactly. There's not a lot of continued through lines that you can draw, you know, like Seth, you grew up being a fan of Paul Pierce and the Celtics for 20 years, you know, that's not really happening anymore. And I, I just, I'm at a little loss of, of if I like the direction where it's going. Um, I don't know, maybe Seth, maybe you can put it in more concise terms than that okay so a couple things i'll try to go quickly through several thoughts one is 
just me being petty because Bill Simmons on his book of basketball podcast said that Julius Irving started the player empowerment era, which is so dumb because Bill an, era, is dumb. an era is a period of where ideology is present, right? So just because one player like negotiated their contract and back against ownership in the past, that doesn't mean that was the start of the era. If we're talking about the civil rights era, it's like looking at the sixties as uh, dominated by this trajectory of work towards social justice and ending segregation. Right. That doesn't mean that no one ever before that had like tried to work against segregation in the United States. It's not like the first person who thought of that <laughs> idea started the era. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Kyle, you can just cut you that. Saying, <laughs> yeah, you can cut all that. So what you were saying about, um, <clears throat> uh, I think it's a little bit overblown that we have any teams where one, the star sticks with their team anymore. I think we do. That's just fewer. <clears throat> you know, we've got Dame on the Blazers. We've got Steph on the Warriors. We'll see what happens with all these rookie contracts with, you know, Tatum and Mitchell and Bam, right? Deer and Fox. But, right. So, um, I will I will agree with you, Sam, about this case in Harden. I think all of us are, in general, very pro-player. But if you look at this, it's like, <clears throat> okay, you're frustrated. You've lost in the playoffs a bunch of times. One of them, unlucky injury, Chris Paul. But you didn't really get along with him, so you told him to, you know, you told the team to get rid of him and get Westbrook instead. Westbrook's ass. So you lost again, (laughs) but more to the point, you lost again because just like every year in the playoffs, James Harden didn't play well and was inefficient from the field and didn't show up in the biggest moments. So really it's on him more than anybody else, especially when the entire offense is structured around you. So it's like, you have the team build the whole team around you, the entire structure of the offense focused around what you can do. Then you don't have as much success as you want. And with two years left in your contract, you're like, get me out of here when they've catered to your every whim for four years. But at the I same time, they honestly, did get rid of, you know, his coach and GM. So yeah, that, yeah. I, I agree. I wouldn't want to play for that owner either. So I, I see that side of it for sure. Right. And I think to be fair, a similar critique could be made about Giannis where we don't know as much about the inside and what he's been saying to ownership and everything, but it feels like they underachieved in the playoffs last year. And then Giannis is like, get me drew holiday. And then the team overpays for drew holiday. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, Mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, you underachieved in the playoffs last year because of you. Yeah. (laughs) Like Giannis, if you had just played better, then you would have won. So I think doing this whole thing about like, well, we need a better supporting cast or I'm not going to sign the contract is kind of bullshit. Again, I don't really know if that's what happened with Giannis. That's just kind of what it seems like from the outside. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I'm not connected enough to have sources who could tell me, but I think that was a overpay for Drew Holiday. Which we'll get to. Although at other times I feel like it's not because first round picks are worthless. Um, but yeah, yeah I think, so 
Yeah, go I think that 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 point is solid. And Kyle, why don't you give your last thought on on this player empowerment segment before? Yeah, so on. I guess my 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 thought to everything that Seth said was at least there's got to be a some point, right? Like we say, you know, he they didn't achieve well um, in the playoffs, so now they're doing a player is doing whatever they can to get out of their situation, go to a better situation. It makes sense. I mean, there's only a handful of players probably we've seen in the NBA that can by themselves will a team to a, a series win. It's like LeBron, it's Jordan, you know, what two, yeah, Bill, right. The, the greatest of all times. Yeah. And not every superstar that we talk about, are going to be in that greatest player of all time discussion that could do that. So I guess my yeah. thought is that at some point, obviously these players are going to want help and maybe a change of scenery works, maybe a, a change in role or a change in supporting cast works. And maybe, you know, taking some of the heat off what Harden's had the last however many years he's been in Houston and not necessarily being viewed as the alpha 1A on a team helps him. And I want to see mm-hmm. him win a championship. And like we said, the the net spot is obviously going to be the best opportunity in his career to do that. So that's yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that situation plays out and, and kind of how that goes in the future. Uh, I want to quickly hit draft reaction because – we haven't recorded since the NBA draft happened. Um, so LaMelo Ball went to the Hornets, mm-hmm. uh, where his father will play Jordan one-on-one in the televised event of the century. Uh, <laughs> to determine who becomes the rightful owner of the team. Yeah. Anthony Edwards, a.k.a. Andrew Wiggins, part two, went to his rightful home in Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it was mentioned enough that like a day or two before the draft, there was an interview where he said he doesn't really love basketball. And if he was drafted to play football, he would turn basketball down for the rest of his life and play football. That interview was insane. <laughs> he was like, he was like, you can do so many things in football. You can spike the ball. You can dance and celebrate. It's like football barely lets you celebrate at all. The NBA, <laughs> you're way more visible and you can do like anything you want. LeBron literally flipped a bottle onto the court and it was televised. Like you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I don't understand at all. So that was very worrisome to me. Uh, but yeah, so that happened. Wiseman went to the Warriors to try to continue their dynasty with a new big man. Our boy Hal Burton fell away to the Kings. Crazy. So, I can't um, believe you fell that far. Yeah. So Kyle, why don't you start us off going to where you want? What were your reactions to the draft? Obviously, I'm going to start it off with the, the Bulls, um, right? With the fourth pick. I mean, a lot of mocks, right? Had Halliburton going to them. And comes their pick, and they take an absolute flyer on uh, Williams, um, Patrick Williams, a one-year player from Florida State that didn't even start. Um, it's questionable, you know. Obviously, over the last what month, month and a half, when all these teams were doing their. Um, interviews and workouts and everything he started flying flying up the up the boards more and more and more um and even uh, i was listening to uh Rusillo and o'connor talk about it and 
O'Connor didn't think either he like that Williams when he started preparing for the draft that he was going to be anywhere in the top half of the first round so obviously that has there there's got to be something to that um and I think we saw like his athletic ability at Florida State like he is a crazy athlete but at when you're picking in the top five of a draft, obviously I'm all for drafting for upside, but when you're have one of those first five picks, you really should focus and prioritize taking a player that will have an immediate impact on your team, right? That's you were one of the worst teams in the league. Take a player that's going to be able to come in day one and make an impact. And I don't think, Patrick Williams, he could prove us wrong, obviously, but I don't think that he's that guy. We didn't see it last year, yeah. the one year he played in college. Like, what makes us confident or think that just because he had good workouts and because he's a really good athlete means he's going to become one of the, you know, next best players from this rookie draft class when two months ago he was projected to go in the late twenties. It's like, yeah. And it's like one of those picks where I feel like they, they draft him for his body. I'm like, wow, right. six, eight, like perfect body for the NBA. And he's showing flashes of skills. And I'm just kind of like, like, does he have any skills? Like, can you name the skills that he has that translate to the NBA? So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. I didn't uh, love the pick at all, but. I drafted Russell Wilson for his body into my bedroom. <laughs> the one thing that worked that out I, for you. I don't want to, I, I don't want to completely like trash this pick off the bat because finally this is our first draft in how many years with what should be a good coach and new front office. Yeah. Like I, I want to trust them because they've sure. shown in their previous positions that they know what they're doing, which we never saw from anyone in the Bulls organization for the last 15 years. So Certainly not. I don't want to trash it too much. I just, I, I question it though. Right. Yeah. Seth, what about you? You want to talk about your Celtics picks? Well, it's going to shock all of our listeners. Um, but I actually have not seen Aaron Nesmith play. I don't My even God. know if that's how you pronounce his name. <laughs> um, Smith. I think it's so Kyle, it you said that, uh, he's pretty good so seems good he to might, me he might be like i told you as soon as that pick happened honestly the best pure shooter in the class in this in this freshman class so i like shooting exactly that sounds like and, a skill that could translate to the nba unlike none I, of the skills that patrick williams has so <laughs> like i think yeah. he's the kind of player especially at that pick you pick him due to obviously the upside he has but the proven ability of him being able to score and that's kind of what you're looking for to bolster your bench going into the season right. when you already have a solidified roster. That's yeah. uh, that's just like a, a home run type pick as long as nothing crazy happens, right? Yeah. Um, any other reactions to to some of the picks? I mean, I, I think we all think that Halliburton's a steal for the Kings. I kind of heard that like maybe one of the reasons he fell is that he wanted to go to the Kings and his agent didn't let him work out for other teams. So that could be part of it. Um, but it was still surprising to see him drop all that, all the way to, to 12. Um, well, Mallow on the Hornets should be interesting. I think just 
given the reign of the team, see what happens there. That team um, is going to be so weird to watch. You have like Lamelo, who's going to need like a 30% usage rate. You have Devontae Graham, who was at like 30-something percent himself last year. And now they just signed Gordon Hayward to this outrageous deal. Spoilers and for our free agency segment. He's anything like he was in the past. He's going to, after getting paid that much, right, at least command upper 20s in, in usage. So who the hell else is going to touch the ball on that team? <laughs> we might know. as well just use this to transition to free agency because that was maybe the most shocking move, at least money-wise, for free agency. Um, Gordon Hayward opted out of his deal with the Celtics where he was going to get around $34 million. And I think we were all like, why would he do that? Like, he's not going to get that money elsewhere. Well, we were wrong because he got four years, $120 million with the Hornets. Um, and there was rumors that he was going to go to the Pacers and it was going to be a sign-in trade for Miles Turner. And that didn't end up happening. Seems like because Boston didn't want Miles Turner, Seth, which is interesting to me. Um, but... <laughs> Well, you know, it sucks that you guys lost. Figured they'd get Tristan. Right, right. And it sucks that you guys lost Gordon for nothing, well, certainly. And it's interesting that the Hornets chose to give him that much money when he has this injury history and he only mm-hmm. has one All Star appearance. I, I feel like it's really just history from a year ago repeating itself, right? So the Celtics signed Al Horford, like whatever, five years ago. He played three years. And he had a player option for like $30 million in his fourth year. And he didn't pick it up. And everyone was kind of like, wow, that's a lot of money to not pick up on. He must have something else, you know. And then he had this giant contract with the Sixers. And the same exact thing happened with Hayward. The Celtics signed him a year after they signed Horford. And then he had $30 million player option, didn't pick it up. We're like, what? And then he gets four years, 120 million in Charlotte. And you saw what happened to Al. So, I mean, I wish him well. Gordon obviously had really bad luck in the Celtics um, with the Celtics and all those injuries. And I hope he's able to stay healthy, but I certainly um, don't think he's worth that money at this point in his career. And the fact that he basically got the same contract as he did coming out of Utah makes no sense because all he's shown in the last three years is that he was injured. Um, so the one interesting and then thing, I think the Celtics kind of using some of that money, whatever money they could to take Thompson is going to be good for us. I, I feel, I felt a little bit underwhelmed at first, but you know, he kind of has warmed up to me and I think having a, a bigger guy to play defense who's has veteran experience to guard some of those big men in the East and also someone who at least in the past shown that he could guard smaller players on switches is key. Um, So those are the two biggest things for me in addition to like rim running and catching lobs and stuff. So. Yeah. And what I was going to say in regards to Hayward is I guess um, before he went to the Celtics that Jordan tried to recruit him to Charlotte in the first place. So Jordan really has a thing him, for yeah. Gordon Hayward, so I guess it was inevitable that if he became available, it was gonna <laughs> that was gonna be where he ends up. But I can kind of see the thing with the Hornets. It's like, well, we're not, we're not. No one's gonna come to Charlotte unless we overpay them, right? So we have to give them more money. We're gonna have tons of cap space next year. 
we're not going to get Giannis or whoever else is in the market. So we're probably just going to pay it for a bunch of like shitty players. Like at what we did point with Matt Biombo. At what point do you stop perpetually overpaying and tanking at the same time? I just, I don't get organizations. Well, the like other that. thing is they could, they could bite the bullet and, and completely be out of the race for the A seed in the East and get some high draft picks. But I can understand, like, I think I've said that on this on this pod before. It's like when you're a small market team like that and you're just trying to make money, like you don't just print money like the Lakers, like you're not guaranteed to have fans in the stands. Well, no one is this year, but you know, in, in the normal times, it's like, can we stomach a five-year rebuild when, when we are a small market team like this? You know, I, I think that is definitely a question you have to ask yourself. I mean, Sam Presti doesn't seem to think about it twice, but, <laughs> but I can, I can see the thinking. I mean, I wouldn't have done it, you know, and I still think it's pretty dumb, but <laughs> I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we really need to spend much more time on Charlotte. They're not going anywhere. They're going to end what? 10th, 11th. Well, here was what 12th. I really want to talk about is how the Lakers got better over this off season. Um, and I don't want to hear any talk from Kyle about a three-peat again because we know that he has stabbed us, us, me, the LeBron, and the Lakers in the back several times. But I can't root and, for LeBron when he's playing against my favorite player. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Um, just tell me. Correct me if I'm wrong in any of these free agency things because a million people moved a million places, so I might get this wrong. But so they lost Rondo, Avery Bradley, Javale, Dwight Howard. Coming in, they got Montrez Harrell, and Danny which Green, at first I, I, I told you guys – sorry, I lost Danny Green too, you're right. I, so at first when Montrez came in, I told you guys, I don't know if I'd love the fit because, you know, he just – he's not a shooter and he's he's pretty small. Um, you know, can they get a bigger Howard type? And then they went inside Marc Gasol, which kind of basically clears up all those issues for me. So I like that fit of those two a lot as their big man. Um, I mean, you take a washed Marc Gasol – you know, he's, he's old, but him and Montrez are still an upgrade over, over Howard and JaVale at this point in their careers. So big upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. And they also got Dennis Schroeder, Kyle's boy, um, who, I mean, right obviously an upgrade over Rondo, right. Season. At this point in his career, you know, and Kyle, I know you love it. Just tell me how much you love, love these moves in the off season. Really everything I could have dreamed of seeing <laughs> my guy, Dennis Schroeder go to a, championship contender this is all he's needed he's had a shot he's proven himself getting paid for it and now he's gonna you know what was he second in six-man voting last year should have been first fuck Montrez for that but he's gonna win six man of the year this year it's funny that the the two front runners with six men of the year ended up on the same team this year and it's also funny that Montrez just walked across um the locker rooms the locker room yeah <laughs> locked across the other locker room in staples center um yeah i think they're the favorites to repeat which i mean probably would have been pretty true this year despite anything that they did if they didn't implode too much so the one thing i i wonder when that montrez to the lakers signing happened and then after seeing the clippers outrageously overpaid um markeith is it markeith or marcus which, marcus. which twin is it they both suck, so it doesn't matter. To see them do that, like, I wonder, did that one incident in that playoff game against Dallas where we finally saw afterwards the Clippers kind of implode some, um, where he got into that huge argument with 
uh, pandemic P Paul George, did that play into their unwilling, I don't know if it's unwillingness, but them not signing him because they knew Paul was going to stay there. Like, mm, obviously, I don't know if we're going to know, but when I first saw that and then saw them pay Marcus Morris more money than what Montrez was getting, it was, that was the first thing that came to my mind was. I mean, the other thing is. Con- confrontation and then collapse in the playoffs essentially due to that was the reason he didn't he's not back with the Clippers I think the reason he's not back with the Clippers is because he was the worst player that they were playing minutes in the playoffs like he was he also wasn't basically but yeah and that was a big thing too he had to leave the bubble for a family emergency like maybe all that wouldn't have happened if it was a regular season but he was unplayable in the playoffs and that's one of the big reasons Doc Rivers got fired because he still rode him even though he's getting destroyed by Jokic and um yeah we can use this to pivot to the Clippers um what's funny you brought up Marcus Morris's contract I saw this so Marcus Morris signed for like 64 million, right? His Four twin Markeef signed for the minimum with the Lakers, but they confirmed that they put all their contracts into a joint bank account. So why do they <laughs> care which one of them gets the big contract? It's still both their money. So, <laughs> so I thought that was really that funny. Collusion, you think? Yeah. But um the collusion is the right word. They also added well, it's it's benefiting the Lakers because they're right. able to spend less money on Markeith because Markeith wasn't getting paid brother. anywhere. So I don't think it mattered. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it really mattered that much. It's just a yeah. funny wrinkle, but uh, the Clippers also funny. added Serge Ibaka, which I love for them and Luke Bernard kind of to replace that shooter and sham it that they lost. Um, Seth, what do you think about the Clippers offseason? Do you still see them as the second best team in the West? I do love Serge. I think that's um, if he plays as well as he did with Toronto last year, that's a big upgrade over Montrez, in my opinion. Having any um, type of center that could shoot is huge for them because that's the one thing the Clippers didn't have at all last year. Yeah, I know in that Toronto series with the Celtics in the playoffs, he was the person I was worried about the most. And I think if Toronto had used him more, they would have beaten us. Um, so I like that for them. I'm sad to see Shamit go but I kind of like Luke Kennard, see what he can do when he gets out of the horrible place of Detroit. Not I have to wonder with, with Kennard, is, are his knees intact at all? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I heard he's the bee's knees, actually. But these knees yeah, so look like no I, bees, you know what I mean? I think they'll still be good, um, yeah. and they certainly have the upside, but similar to how we talked with the Nets, mm. and based on what we saw last year in the playoffs – I don't know. I, my confidence in them is shaken and it'll depend on if Paul George can get his act together and if they can mesh as a team. So the other team, they, I definitely they don't have just... any depth. That's yeah. the one worry I have about the Clippers mm-hmm. is after once, once you start going to the bench, who is it? Who's their sixth man now? Is it, is it what? Pat Pat? That's yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Is Pat Pat or Luke Kennard your sixth man? And then, like that's t- I guess Lou Lou Williams is your sixth man. Fine, but then seventh and eighth, it's Luke Kennard, Pat Pat. I don't, and I don't think mind Terrence that honestly. Man. I mean, well, I don't even know if Serge is gonna start. I mean, uh, I mean Zubac might still start. Yeah. So if your eight man rotation is Zubac, George. Kawhi, 
Pat Bev, Kennard, Serge, and uh, Pat Pat and Lou. I guess that was nine. Like, I still don't mind that in the playoffs. I just don't think it's that good, especially for the Western Conference, but that's all right. Um, the one other team I did definitely want to discuss from the West is the Suns because they got Chris Paul in a trade from OKC. Uh, also added Jay Crowder, which I think will be nice for them. Um, what do you think, Kyle? Is this, what do you think of Chris Paul for them? Obviously, I think Chris Paul is a huge get. Um, really just for the experience, um, right? Like, it's not like Ricky Rubio was a bad option at all last year. He had a really great year. Um, but obviously Chris Paul is one of the best point guards to play in the league essentially ever. Right. And then to pair, to pair him with a young Devin Booker, who is one of those players that like any night could go for 40, 50 points when he's feeling it. Um, I obviously, I, I like the Chris Paul get, but you also lost Ubre, who played really well for you last year, um, and didn't. I'm trying to pull up who who do they have, right? That's gonna replace him, uh, unless you feel that great about Mikael Bridges. Yeah, I think Mikael. I mean, their starting lineup in the bubble when they went eight and zero didn't even have Ubre in it. it well, was he was Mikhail, also injured, but right, they didn't even have Ubre in the bubble when they went eight and zero. So I don't see that as a huge loss for them. I mean, they have. Mikhail Bridges and uh, that kid that they drafted at the four, starting at the four, uh, that shooter, Cam Johnson. So I think you run that back as you're starting lineup. Yeah. And the Jay, the, I love the Jay Crowder get too. Like we saw last year in Miami, obviously the three and D uh, player that he is. I think that's huge, huge for them. Yeah. Cam Johnson is a great shooter, but Uber, in my opinion. Yeah, and Cam Johnson's a great shooter, but you need that bigger guy who can guard fours, which Jay is. So I think they can be pretty versatile in that end. Seth, do you like do you like the the Suns this year? Yeah, I'll be quick because I know we're running out of time. But um, I like Chris. I've always loved Devin Booker, and I think Aiton is underrated and like mm-hmm. maybe not as flashy and obviously not as good as he's just Luka, more. He's, so. he's another one of those like traditional centers though, which just doesn't tickle my fancy. It does not, but I think he'll, he'll play a good role for them. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them in the playoffs this year. Yeah. I think, Quickly, I think one of the teams that make the playoffs in the West though. Agreed. Quickly before we move to the East, I did want to mention Portland got better this year. I think, um, a lot we don't have to do much analysis on it but not having to play hassan looks like they're not going to bring him back they got Cantor and giles as their big got rid of Um, hazonia got rid of the scourge of mario hazonia brought in robert covington kyle's favorite player in the league and some might call him greatest (laughs) basketball destination one of the top 50 nba players of all time Uh, (laughs) that's a goddamn fact (laughs) and they re-signed hood coming off that injury and mellow I think this is a deep team ready for another playoff run. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, th- I don't know if, you know, me being the biggest Bobby Covington fan in the world. Um, I really think that is like maybe an under the radar signing that really puts him over the top. Like he's, 
just his defensive versatility and his shot making abilities. Like I, I likened it in our group chat to imagine if Carmelo Anthony had any type of basketball IQ and could defend a school children, school child on, on a plate, on a court. Right. That's exactly. That's going to get mad. You're making Seth mad because he peed in Carmelo's uh, urinal one time. I mean, I think it's a little unfair to say he doesn't have basketball IQ. He's just bad at defense because he's old. He right. just sucks. He's always sucked. Yeah, exactly. Unless uh, he's playing internationally. Who cares? <laughs> the fact that you say Carmelo Anthony sucks and Robert Covington is a top 50 player all time is just outlandish. To be fair, I said that, but I know he actually thinks he's a top 30 all time. So I also said it's a goddamn fact after you said that. <laughs> Okay, let's hit the East real quick because I think we're almost at an hour. Um, the Bucks must be discussed. We hinted at it, but they gave up the mother load for Drew Holiday. Which, Is it really like, the mother like load? we mentioned, so it was three first rounds and two pick swaps, which I think is absurd for Drew Holiday. Now, let's put in the caveat that if they knew this was going to get Giannis to re-sign with him, and all signs are pointing to Giannis re-signing, then maybe we think it's worth it, especially since those picks won't be great picks, right, guys? And, you know, what is a first-round pick really worth these days if you can't, you know, the, the return on late first-round picks isn't great. So all that being said, I still think it was an overpay, um, but it does make their team better next year. You can't argue with that. Um, and having Drew as that solid point guard that they never got with Bledsoe in the playoffs, right? We know he was horrendous in the playoffs. Definitely bolsters their lineup. You know, like we said earlier, Giannis wasn't really the or the supporting cast wasn't really the problem in the playoffs. It was Giannis, so we'll see what that happens. But another regular season juggernaut season for the Bucks, right, Seth? Yeah. Did those first round picks have protections on them? No, I never saw that. They're all unprotected, right? No, but it yeah, that's as long I mean, as Giannis signs that max, right? And you that think you would resigns, that's going to be a late 20s first round pick for the next three years. Right. Right. But wasn't one of the picks in like 2027? 20, yeah, one of them's really far out. So, you know, maybe it's like next year, mind. the 20 or 23, and then yeah, like 25 or 26. That's you what know, I maybe Giannis is the nice Dirk and he stays here for 20 years, or maybe he's, you know, James Harden wants out in a few years. So that could yeah. that could benefit it. But regardless, Drew Howard is so, a good I mean, player. Basically, we all like Drew. We think the Bucks will be better, but it's also a question of, okay, they lost some depth now. Will Bud be willing to play his players for 40 minutes in the playoffs? I hope because so. if they're going back to 36 minutes a game for Giannis, Drew, and Middleton and throwing their scrubs in there off the bench, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Kyle, quick thoughts on the Bucks. Yeah. So, um, Love this, love this uh, move that they made. Uh, I think Drew is one of the best, obviously, two-way guards in the league, uh, more so on the defensive end. But either way, he still gets his on the offensive end. So I think he's a really good complement to Giannis being the primary ball handler. Um, and I think their small ball lineup is going to be one of the best small ball lineups in the league, right? With Drew, Dante, Middleton, Giannis playing the five, and then whoever we end up, they end up getting uh, to play the four. But the one thing I really want to talk about is, you know, we just talked about uh, the small market teams in relation to Charlotte and, you know, 
tanking and all this stuff like when you have right an opportunity to win a championship when you're a team as good as what we saw the bucks were and we expect them to be now i think you have to go all in on that that's just one of the ways that i view the nba is there's typically just a really small window that you have to win a championship so what you have to do mortgage the future for it if you have to to really increase your chances now which i mm-hmm. think is something that they did and being the small market team who cares like if if it doesn't work and it flops you're still a small market team right it doesn't if your team's bad your team's bad if Giannis leaves Giannis leaves but at least you gave yourself at the time the best opportunity to win a championship that you could have. And if giving three late 20 round picks, late twenties, first round picks, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill for a player that will, we presumably believe will lead to Giannis signing a super max deal. That's a play that you have to make. Yeah. Agreed. Um, let's hit the Hawks real quick. I want to discuss them. They're bringing a real push for the AC, the coveted eighth seed in the East. Uh, bringing in Gallinari and Bogdan Bogdanovich, who we should mention nearly signed with the Bucks, and we all thought he did for a few days until it turns out he didn't. And now the Kings have a few more hours, they I think, Kyle. Three hours offer. from where we're talking. I don't see no. them matching it. I think he goes to the Hawks. Um, they also added Rondo and Chris Dunn to kind of bolster the defense of their guards. Kyle, what do you, what do you think about what the Hawks did over, over the offseason? I don't know what to expect from this team now. Like, you're already playing Trey 38 minutes a game. So why are you going to sign Chris Dunn and Rajon Rondo? Like, I I just don't see them as – I guess Dunn is an okay fit maybe next to Trey, but Trey and Rondo don't really make sense to me. And then you still have, right now you got Gallinari and then John Collins and Clint Capella. And then you drafted another center after you just drafted a center the year before. I just don't really know the identity of this team at all. And I don't really know what to expect. Like, I just, I I don't know the type of basketball that they're going to play. So it's tough for me to say that I could see them making the playoffs because I just... I don't know what's going to happen. It kind of reminds me of the Blazers team from last year, but worse because they have like all guards and big men. And what right. the Blazers yeah. were really missing, which is why we're so excited about Robert Covington is those is that wing player who can play defense, hit threes, guard bigger guys. And it's like, you've got this shoot first point guard and Trey young, who's obviously not as good as Lillard. And then you added some more guards to try to be complimentary to him, maybe to try to like make up for some of his poor defense as a guard. And then all your other players are big men. And yeah, I'm not really a Hawks fan, I guess. And yeah, like Bogdan's pretty small too. So I don't think he really fits the bill as that wing. I guess they eventually they want DeAndre and Cam to be those wings, right? But I mean, they're so young and who's to say, right? 
Like, I feel yeah. like this Hawks team has, like, 30 players on it. <laughs> yeah, and they're all, like, decent, <laughs> but not that great. And they all have flaws, yeah. Um, let's really quick hit a little segment Kyle wanted us to do, which was our our kind of surprise success teams that we think we're going to see this season and kind of our surprise implosion teams that we're going to yeah, see. Yeah, one – one. Um, let's just do one we'll – just yeah, one, one of for, each. Yeah, exactly. One of each – from oh from the whole league i was yeah, gonna do one we're, from we're, we're short on time so kyle why don't you go first. first you can name all four of yours if you want kyle okay good <laughs> eastern, eastern conference my one surprise team and i don't know how much of a surprise it might be but washington wizards i was gonna say that's that. a surprise so i definitely think they make the playoffs this year i just don't know how high of a seed they get but um just high on them bringing back uh um, why can't I think of his name? John now? Wall. No, Ta- uh, I just Adams had Bertans. Yes, Bertans. Mm. Thank you. I know you. It's exactly what I was trying to say. It was on the tip of my tongue until Seth said another name. Um, and then John Wall coming back. Who knows what he's going to be? But we saw what Bradley Beal could do. So that is my team to watch for in the East. The team that I think, um, I guess the biggest uh, surprise non-good team i don't know the right word implosion team i guess is what we're saying probably the pacers after being the fourth seed last year i just they didn't really do anything to improve and you know the stories of um of oladipo supposedly asking multiple players (laughs) from other teams if he could join their team during games um just doesn't sit well with I, I don't see them being a forward seat again yeah they might miss the playoffs completely hot take uh western conference surprise team i think i don't know how much of a surprise it is but i think i'm gonna roll with the pelicans you know i think that's the surprise as well i think they they, they get in the playoffs there uh, i like what they've done um i think they could make up for the loss of drew um, obviously should just get the ball to Zion more in that sense. So, um, and then the Steven Adams signing, that'll be interesting. Um, I don't really like that for them to be honest. See, I think it's, I don't not like it, but I don't necessarily love it. <laughs> he's a I, traditional big man. How could you love it? Right. I mean, he's like Derek Favors, but better. And that's what they had last year. That's fair. Yeah. So anyways, that's my surprise team. Watch out for thinking They make the playoffs. The, implosion team i'm looking at hate to say it but it's the rockets they're not gonna make the playoffs this year yep uh playoffs especially after within the next i looked at my wrist and i don't even have my watch on today um they're gonna deal westbrook and harden within the next three weeks i think yeah and i don't know at that point this isn't to say that but (laughs) at, at this point this isn't at that point it's not gonna be a hot take but yeah um i would I'm I'm not going to be very bold here. I'm going with your same teams in the East because I was going to say I think the Wizards slot into that eighth spot in the East because I just like Wall and Beal better than any two players on any of the other teams vying for that eighth spot. You know, the Bulls, the Hawks, the Hornets, we know the, the Magic, we know the contenders. They have no one as good as Beal or Wall. Um, I'll agree with you on the Pacers. I thought they were going to make moves this offseason. I thought they were going to – I thought they were going to get Gordon Hayward, which I would have loved for them. Uh, I'm concerned about Victor Oladipo's health and the way he's been playing. I I don't see them being that high of a seed as well. I think they still make the playoffs, but certainly not a top four seed. Um, 
in the West, I think the Suns will be my team that I'm really, really I mean, maybe the expectation is they take that eighth seed, but regardless, I'm picking them to take that eighth seed in the West. Um, so I think they outperform expectations of people who think they're going to miss the playoffs. And then maybe my little disappointing team would be the Grizzlies. I don't think they make that push for the eighth seed like they did last year um, in the same way. I just think that this is a young team and the West is so deep. I don't really see them making the playoffs this year. Now we should mention before I get to you, Seth, that this year there will be a play-in for the seven to 10 seeds um, in a similar fashion to the play-in that the bubble had this year. So maybe we do get a surprise team in the eighth seed, even if they aren't seeded eight as we go into the playoffs. Good point. Uh, Seth, what, what's your, what are your explosion implosion teams? Yeah, I've been kind of flip-flopping. Um, I'm, I'm with you on the Pacers being a disappointment this year. Um, and I don't really see any team in the East really exceeding expectations. I think the two teams with the high ceiling are the Nets and the Sixers. Um, but I kind of think it's going to even out and there'll be like four or five seeds. Um, and then I think we potentially boom the Sixers enough in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and they could do more with trades and stuff, knowing Daryl as well. Um, I'm going to take Phoenix as my boom team. And I think they're going to be higher than the eighth seed, to be honest. I mean, watching what Chris Paul did with OKC last year and how close Phoenix was and how Devin Booker is light years ahead of anyone else on the Thunder last year. So being a duo with Chris Paul, I have them slotted in as a five seed next year. Um, and then, yeah, I think Houston's going to miss the playoffs. Um and that one's kind of obvious. Uh, so, yeah. All right, let's, let's finish this off, boys, by, as I tasked you with in the outline, seeding our playoffs for the West and the East. Because, like I said, most of the dominoes have fallen in free agency. We basically know what these teams are going to look like. The one huge caveat is the hardened potential trade. I will say that my rankings were done assuming Harden is traded away from the Rockets. Um, to the Eastern Conference. So I'll just go ahead and start with my West teams. I have the Lakers at one. As we said, they got a little better. Clippers at two. Still think they had the second best team. Nuggets at three. Maybe got a little worse losing Jeremy Grant, but still a contender. I have the Portland at four, which maybe is higher than some have. But like I said, I think they had a great offseason. And Damian Lillard, as we know, is one of the top players in the league. Got the Mavs at five. Obviously, I love Luka, but Kristaps isn't even starting the season, so I think they slip a little bit. I don't think they get a top four seed. Um, I put the they Warriors slip at six. from seven to five. They slip from what people might have thought going into the season if Kristaps was healthy the whole season. Interesting. Um, I thought a lot of people had them as a top four seed, so maybe they only slip one spot. Maybe they don't slip at all in your estimation. I don't know, but caution: slippery when wet. I have uh, the Warriors at six. I would have them as a top four seed, but Clay's gone. And now, I you know, maybe they missed the playoffs. I still, I still think they have enough, but I have the Jazz at seven. Didn't really get better, but the Jazz always make the playoffs. So, And then I have the Suns at eight. Like I mentioned, I think they make the playoffs with CP3. Um, I think, in my estimation, one through seven are pretty strong. It's that eight seed that is up for grabs for me. Um, Seth, what do you think? Who do you have in the West? Um, I had all the same teams, but different order. So I've got Lakers, Denver, Clippers, top three. And then I think Utah 
will have some of that institutional stability and be the four seed. And then I've got Phoenix jumping up to the five seed, like I just talked about, and Dallas, Golden State, and Portland. Yeah, I think – so we both have basically the Suns and the Warriors replacing OKC and the Rockets from last year because, obviously, yeah. losing Chris Paul and James Harden is huge for those teams. Kyle, what do you have? I'm kind of stuck on the West just because I don't know what to do with Golden State now. Um, right now I have them sitting somewhere between the eight and the nine. I just don't between know. Between the eight and the nine. Yeah, so eight, eight and, and a half. half. <laughs> Uh, so top down, obviously got the Lakers first. Uh, I have Denver as the second best team in the West. Portland as the three seed. Mm. Clippers as the four seed. Dallas as the fifth seed. Phoenix as the sixth. Utah at seven. And the Pelicans or Golden State as eight. So we don't have a lot that different. Um how you had the Clippers lower than us, which I think could easily happen with the way that Kawhi and Paul rest themselves during the regular season, especially during a shortened season. So I think we're all basically on the same page there. It will be interesting, especially with that play and to see who grabs the AC, right? Yeah, <clears throat> right. And um, for my Eastern Conference, um, right now, just because I really think that the Harden trade happens, I have Brooklyn as the one seed. Philadelphia is the two seed. Milwaukee is the three. Boston not making. I'm just kidding. Boston is the four. <laughs> Miami, five. Toronto, six. Washington is the seventh seed. And Orlando is the eighth. So you have Pacers missing it. That's your big zag. Yeah. Interesting. Got yeah, I mean, the Nets are certainly grab the one seed. Defending Eastern Conference champions, your favorite Miami Heat. <laughs> Also, he picked the Magic to beat. He I always mean, picks the Magic to beat the first round team every year, and he now he's picking them to miss the playoffs. I have Orlando. They're the eighth. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> just <laughs> wait until they beat the Mets. <laughs> we'll just call it. Three what are you going to do when you're looking at James Harden versus the Magic first round? <laughs> Holy oh my shit. god! All right, Seth, what's your East uh, playoffs? I um, I've got the Bucks at at number one. I feel pretty confident about that. I think, you know, they've been the top seed the last couple of years. They always play well in the regular season, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, and their team's better than last year. So I bet money they're not the um, one seed. I'll take that bet too. I have my one. Ten bucks each. I'm not gonna I mean, do that. They could easily so not be like one seed. <laughs> this this goes back you to said our you'll take that everything. It's like I think they have a better chance than anybody else to get the one seed, but that doesn't mean I would take them against the field. You know, it's well, like, you did take him against the field and you lost because he got injured. So I won that bet. Yeah. And I made the same thing and I bet you out of principle because that was an outrageous argument because just because someone else will probably finish first doesn't mean it's still not the best pick to take McCaffrey. The Anyways, logic may have been flawed, but I was right, and that's what matters. You were only right because of an injury, so I think the bet's <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> In the two spot, I've got the Celtics. I think we're going to be better than last year. Our two best players are only getting better, and Kemba will be more comfortable, and we won't be continuously – I mean, obviously, assuming we're all healthy, we won't be continuously like having Hayward coming in and out of the Atlanta. I've got Miami at three. 
because I don't know why Kyle hates Bam Adebayo, but I believe in him. Um, I've got <laughs> Philly and then Brooklyn and then Toronto. Pacers sneaking into the seventh seed. And despite just disparaging them, I think the Hawks will get the eighth seed. I have something pretty similar. I have Bucks one, Celtics two, Raptors three, Nets four. This is just without knowing if Harden joined the Nets, maybe they get a higher seed. Heat five, Sixers six. Again, if the if Harden joins the Sixers, I would probably bump them up. Pacers in seven, and then the Wizards, as we discussed, in eighth. I feel like in the East more than the West. To me, the one through seven, I feel really confident in barring injury that those seven teams are going to make the playoffs in some order. And then it's really up to the eighth seed. Okay. I'm confused why both of you have the heat so low after they just went to the finals. Well, the Nets, of course, are adding Durant, the best player in the league. So that's got to be considered. And James Harden. (laughs) Um, Philadelphia got better. The Heat themselves finished fifth last year. So I have them in the same spot. They didn't make any changes. So, you know. They actually lost some players. (laughs) Yeah. They haven't re-signed Kelly. They lost Jay. I mean, those top those top teams in the East, I could see in any order. Really, I'm not. Right. I'm not like, wow, no way the Heat finish in the top three. I mean, that could easily happen, of course. All right. Well, this has been our NBA offseason pod. Wait, wait, wait. Are top we making? Team. It wasn't in the show seat, but predictions, final predictions. Well, if it wasn't the it show seat, then we're not doing it, are we, Kyle? We never go by the show seat. I'm kidding. Uh, fine, really go ahead. What's your prediction? We have the Lakers. Ugh, get off. Stop. I'm not even allowing you to pick the Lakers. <laughs> the Lakers and the Sixers. That's exactly what you picked last year. <laughs> At some well, point, it didn't it's work. Happen. <laughs> the Sixers have Daryl Morey now. They got well, he rid can't of, dribble a basketball, so I don't know. They got rid of Horford. Get his ass out. He sucked anyways. And they improved their, their bench shooting. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take them, and I'm going to take the Lakers to run it back. Because as we all know, they're going to win the next two years. LeBron's going to get his sixth wing going. Stop. Sixth ring going with the three-peat. It's going to happen. happen. We're going to have movies. There's going to be books written. And I'm going to author one of them. Okay. Well, you picked the <laughs> Lakers to be in the championship last year and then disparaged them the whole year. So I'm not hearing that again from you this year. No disparaging. No. Oh, they're they going to lose to the Schroeder. Portland. How the hell do you think I'm going to disparage them? You lost, told, picked them to lose in the first round of the Portland Trailblazers. And the second round and the third round. <laughs> And so I, I did that because we were doing, we were playing a pool where I knew everyone else was picking the Lakers. No. And at that point, no, it made sense. No, I came out of the wilderness with 75 texts from you saying, this is the worst team I've ever seen LeBron have. No way they beat Portland. None of their players can play. That's fine. They have Dennis Schroeder now. I was hot for a minute. Okay. <laughs> I don't right, know well, Seth, what more do they need. They have the best player in the league on their team coming Seth, off the came, bench. Seth, you came on this podcast last time and declared Celtics Warriors as the finals. With Clay being injured, I, I assume that you're going to have to pick another Western Conference team for that declaration. Yeah, makes me sad. He's going to pick the Lakers. I would never pick the Lakers under any circumstances. That must um, be the Nuggets. Although it would be satisfying to beat them in the in the finals. Um I don't know. I honestly don't know. Clippers. What? You're Phoenix? just guessing now? What, this is a podcast. Aren't you supposed to have an educated guess? <laughs> it wasn't in the show notes, which I don't read anyways. 
All right, fine. Um, we'll, we'll pencil in for Clippers, but you weren't resolute about it. Okay, how about that? Tune in next week, next time for what Seth's finals prediction will be, which I don't even know why we're doing finals predictions like a month before the season starts. But That's it's why fun, I wasn't in the Seth. show notes. I would never do that. It's fun. <laughs> we, just tentatively... through, we just went through and ranked the entire Eastern and Western <laughs> Conference playoffs, but we can't make the pick of who's going to make the finals. <laughs> I'm going to tentatively say Lakers-Celtics, but I'm not bound to it, even though I said it on the podcast. All right, we really got to go. Uh, so this has been a pleasure, boys. Any final thoughts to our listeners? Lakers three-peat. On the third year, they won again. They might lose to the Portland Trailblazers first, though. Portland would have to be the eighth seed, which definitely isn't happening. They have Bobby. <laughs> <laughs>